Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. So it's a, it's a really great day. I'm really excited. I've got an announcement coming up for you all um, in just a few minutes. Super excited for today's show. But first, I got to get to some important stuff. The Laptop from Hell, the Hunter Biden uh, book by Miranda Devine is exploding. I've got some video there that exposes fully the Biden grift. You're going to see it for the first time on video. Hat tip, Greg Kelly. I've got that. Uh, The Dobbs case yesterday, Sonia Sotomayor in the Supreme Court humiliating herself. And people are policy. I've told you that for a long time. And to show you a video that nails it. As I said, a loaded show, uh, really exciting announcement today. Very, You can see I'm very happy today. You'll, uh, you'll understand more in a minute. Let's get right to it. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall credit card bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. All right, Joe, let's go. Away we go. Yes, we do. This is such a, oh gosh, I get to, you can probably see the excitement like exploding out of my ears. Yeah, right now. First, it. the laptop from hell. Miranda Devine's book, uh, we are publishing that book, has exploded. It is number one everywhere. We've had a print boatloads of new copies because for the first time ever, People are starting to hear, liberals, not us, you've known about the Hunter Biden fiasco for a long time, are starting to hear about the grifting, corrupt, grotesque Joe Biden family and everything they've done to leverage political power Democrats gave them to make money and enrich themselves. Greg Kelly, who's terrific over at Newsmax. Greg Kelly yesterday surfaced a video. This is a really amazing video. It shows you really for the first time up close and personal the mechanics of how the Biden grotesque grift works, okay? Biden brings his son, Hunter. I'll play the video for you in a second, I promise. I just want you to know what you're seeing. Biden brings his son, Hunter, along to these meetings with muckety-mucks when he's a senator and vice president, right? You'll see it right here. Biden then, people start kissing his butt because he's a senator. Ah, Senator Biden, all the genuflecting before him, bending the knee. Oh, we love you so much. Then Hunter makes his way in, secretes himself like a slithering snake into the little uh, social interaction going on here. And you'll see Biden make the introduction to his son, Hunter. Joe Biden make the introduction to his son, Hunter, who then takes over. Hey, hey, let me slip you a little business card. This is saying New York City. Let's slip you a little business card. Let's go over and talk over here. And Joe Biden all times. You get it? Watch this grift on tape right here. Hat tip Greg Kelly for showing us this video. This is the Biden grift right before your eyes. Check this out. We found a little clip back when Joe was a senator hanging out with his son, Hunter, his wingman. Maybe you can work something out, man. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll do. Well, Hunter was just telling about his firm in Washington. Yeah, yeah. You have a car, I do. I I don't, but I'll give you my. uh, Let me give you my. Yeah, and then I'll give. I gave him all away. Okay. Well, that was a wonderful speech. That was Paul who wrote that. Are you? You're the core of what I wrote there. Your dad. You see how that worked? You see how that worked? Hunter goes with the other guy and they talk business. Huh. While Joe continues to glad hand. 
That encapsulates, captures so much, and so does this book by Miranda Devine that I think we all have a duty to read. It is called Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and the Dirty Secrets the President Tried to Hide. Now, we have a duty to read this book. Why? Because Big Tech censored this story back during the campaign, and the Bidens, they certainly don't want us reading about this stuff now. Amen, Greg Kelly. Laptop from Hell. The book is exploding because for the first time, people are getting the gory details on the left. Believe me, some Democrats, uh, the the numbers we got are ridiculous. There are some Democrats reading this book, too. Am I suggesting it's going to change their mind? No, not at all. I'm just telling you the information is out there for the first time, and I'm telling you it would have changed some minds if it was out there before the election. I am saying, for the record, conclusively, That if big tech did not work to interfere in the 2020 election by hiding the information about Hunter Biden and the Biden family corruption grift racket, we would be looking at a different situation in the White House right now. Why? Because the polling data shows it. Double digit numbers of independents and others out there who would have changed their mind likely had they known this information about the grift and the ongoing racket. You see how the grift works? There it is on tape right there. And let me just be candid with you. I'm not suggesting this is only the realm of Democrats either. Sadly, there are some swampy Republicans who I'm sure do the same thing. We should call them all out. But the grift here with the Biden family is obvious. You just saw it. Hey, here's my son, Hunter. Hey, Hunter, nice to meet you, buddy. How are you? Hey, isn't my dad great? Here's a wink and a nod. Let me give you a little business card. Let's go talk over here, over to the side. That's how the grift works. They shared a bank account, folks. The dad and the son, Hunter, shared a bank account. Their business interests were commingled. This is the most corrupt president in United States history inside the White House right now. Hmm. People would have changed their vote based on polling. Are they answering the polls honestly? I don't know. I'm just telling you that the grift was out there and big tech interfered. There's no question about it in the 2020 election by not letting people see the information they needed to see to vote. Maybe we can work something out. And it's out. disgusting. What's that? Maybe we can work something out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you see that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe. We, yo, Joe. Air quotes, work something out. Yeah, Believe me, yeah. that's a, they're not talking about like, you know, a no. workout routine, adding incline flies to incline flies to their bench routine. That's not what they're talking no. about. That's not what they're talking about, working something out. When Joe and I test out a new audio feature and Joe says, hey, let's see if we can work this out. That's not what Hunter's doing. No. That's not what Hunter is doing. But folks. <coughs> People are catching on to the grift. How do I know that? Because we do facts and data on this show, unlike the fact checkers. Here, post-millennial Hannah Nightingale. Biden's approval rating plummets to 36.3%. Here's the question now. Who the hell are these 36.3%? Who are the 36.3% that still think this guy is for real? Who? Yeah, yeah, he, he brings up a good point, Joe. They're, they're all employees of CNN. And I have a few MSNBC folks in there as well. I got a clip coming up from Roger Stone about CNN later that's hilarious. Folks, people are catching on to the grift. My, I hate predictions. I'm hesitant to give it, but whatever, I'm going to dive in anyway. 
My prediction is, at least over the course of the next few months, longer-term horizons are obviously much harder to predict. But at least in the next few months, at Biden's approval may even get worse. 36 is really a floor because you got to figure at least 20, 25% of the country are probably radical leftists that don't really care about what Joe Biden does. They just care about not letting Republicans uh, get power. They'll support him no matter what. But I think this is going to get even worse. I think this has a potential to go even lower than 36.3%, which would be just a historic collapse in the first year of a presidency. We'll see. Why do I say that? Because, folks, nothing Joe Biden is doing is working. The legal losses are piling up. The policy losses are piling up. The messaging losses are piling up. Everything is piling up on Biden. And they have this thing in politics we used to joke about on the show a lot. It's called the Big Mo. What's the Big Mo? It's a very scientific term. Momentum. Kidding, of course. The Big Mo. When momentum starts to go against you and you start piling on the losses, it's very, very hard to stop. Look at this article. It's just the news. It'll be in my newsletter today. Biden's legal defeats rapidly piling up across the nation on a broad array of policy fronts. He was forced to reinstitute Trump's immigration policy at the border, Biden, by the courts. He lost the CMS case. Center for Medicaid, Medicare Services yesterday trying to force vaccines on people. He's losing the OSHA case. Here's just a few of them. I'll go back to that first one, Gee, Sorry about that. I, I, I screwed that up. I just went here. It says the losses came after the U.S. Court of Appeals in the Fifth Circuit temporarily blocked the president's border mandate requiring private businesses, uh, broader mandate, excuse me, with 100 or more employees to ensure all workers get vaccinated or submit to testing. That's blocked. Here's the next one. Again, we have the border getting blocked. There's another ruling that came out of Eastern District of Kentucky blocking the administration from implementing its vaccine mandate for government contractors and subcontractors. Folks, there's two important points I need to leave you with here. You know, it's one thing to talk about the news. It's another thing to put the news in context for people who work hard for a living like you. Make it digestible. That's my job here. It's my goal. Number one, again, the losses will pile up and the big mo is working against Biden now. This will get worse based on public polling data, based on the legal losses, based on the fact that his policy momentum is now gone and all of his policy initiatives have failed. The infrastructure bill, it's not going to do anything for infrastructure. And the Build Back Worse plan, if it passed, will be an inflationary disaster. But the second most important takeaway from all this is this. And I'll get to this in a bit, too. as It, it uh, segues nicely to another story. The legacy of the Donald Trump presidency is going to be a lot of things. The tax cuts, regulatory form, some semblance of control at the border for the first time in a long time. But I would argue to you strongly, and I had Jenna Ellis on my radio program yesterday make this same case. It was one of President Trump's former attorneys. That the most important accomplishment of Trump term one, I don't want to say Trump legacy because it's not done yet. He's likely going to run again. But the most important accomplishment of Trump term one was the court's. Listen, not every single judge we appointed turned out to be a gem, but he appointed a lot. Was it roughly 20 plus percent of the judiciary are now Trump appointees? Folks, that matters. You are seeing it echo throughout the judicial system now with these Biden losses. Not all of them were Trump appointees, but with these Biden losses, with the Supreme Court case now, this landmark case on abortion where the questioning yesterday, I don't want to make any predictions, but the questioning yesterday was very, very, very harsh directed at these pro-abortion people. I would make a strong case to you that President Trump's most important legacy is hands down going to be his transformation of the courts. And I think if he gets elected again in 2024, we'll see even more of that. 
I know it doesn't get a lot of press. Well, I shouldn't say it gets a decent amount of press in the conservative space, but nah, sometimes in the left too. I don't want to be dramatic. It doesn't do us any good. But it doesn't, it didn't get the hoopla that the tax cuts did. The transformation of the courts is a huge deal. Okay, I want to get to this story. I had a very exciting announcement. Um, I wanted to get to the Hunter Biden stuff first because it's important. I'll get to my second sponsor. And then speaking of the courts and appointments again, I'm praying something happens here. It's really important. Folks, it's been a long time coming. And uh, I just, I am, I'm, I'm really so deeply honored to have, uh, you know, you guys in this fight with me for free speech and returning the internet to a free and open internet where we started. You know, I was an early investor in Rumble which is the free speech open internet alternative to the censors at YouTube. We had a huge announcement yesterday. I wanted you to hear it here on my, on my podcast. I, I put it out last night on my social media platforms as well. Uh, Rumble, as you can see from a press release, Rumble, the free speech video alternative. I am on. I'm at rumble.com slash Bongino. Rumble, the neutral video platform to go public through a combination with Cantor Fitzgerald's CFVI. That's CFVI, like Victor, CFVI. Rumble is going public. Uh, it is public today through CFVI. That is the ticker. Uh, that's, again, V is in Victor. We are deeply, deeply appreciative um, of all your support for free speech moving forward. I'm super excited to be a part of Rumble. I wanted you to hear that announcement from us first. So thank you so much for right. your ongoing support for free speech. Yeah, thank Good you, guys. You. Rumble, I was really proud. Uh, I came out last night, so there you go. We're getting a lot of questions about that. Uh, CFVI. So, um, Thank you very much. Okay. This, this, this parallel economy is so important, folks. I can't say that enough. And uh, just to have these successes start to pile up, it shows that the country is still committed to free speech. All right, let me get to this uh, next. And then here's what we got coming up. Clarence Thomas is the goat. Uh, not goat like Billy Goat. Goat like greatest of all time. And The guy's the goat. He is the greatest of all time. Clarence Thomas yesterday in the Dobbs case, just laying down the law. What would we do without this guy? The, Bedrock Principle Conservative. Got that coming up next. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Okay, speaking of what I had told you before in a, in a really uh, apropos segue, I believe Trump's most important accomplishment in term one is going to be the people and the policies he put in place, but more importantly, the judicial appointments. 
changing the court system. The court system, I would argue to you, is the most important branch of government. Oh, they're co-equal. They're not co-equal. I wish they were. I wish we had a functioning constitution, but we don't. The left has thrown it out the window. Why do I put the courts <clears throat> over the presidency or even the legislative branch? Because what, Dan, you don't believe in the constitution? No, I do. We're not abiding by the constitution. We're unmoored from it because the courts are there for life. That's why. Congressmen, senators, and presidents come and go. Here, we're seeing the importance of that now. I am praying, literally praying, not figuratively, praying for a life-saving ruling in this Dobbs abortion case that went on yesterday. The Dobbs case is critical, ladies and gentlemen. For the first time in a long time, in front of the Supreme Court, we have a case on abortion that could strike a, 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 a destructive blow to one of the worst cases decided in the history of the constitutional public, Roe v. Wade and Casey versus Planned Parenthood, both of them, horribly decided. There is no, listen to me, there is no constitutional right to abortion. It doesn't exist. It has never existed. It's not alluded to. It's not implied in the Constitution. The word abortion is nowhere. Here is the GOAT, Clarence Thomas, the greatest of all time. Clarence Thomas asking these pro-abortion lawyers yesterday, arguing on behalf of their pro-abortion cause. He asks a key question. This is critical. What are we talking about here? We talk about the Second Amendment. I know what we're talking about. What are we talking about? Abortion isn't anywhere in the Constitution. Listen to the GOAT. Check him out. I understand we're talking about abortion here. But what is confusing is that we, if, if we were talking about the Second Amendment, I know exactly what we're talking about. If we're talking about the Fourth Amendment, I know what we're talking about. Because it's written. It's there. What specifically is the right here that we're talking about? Well, Justice Thomas, I think that the court in those other contexts with respect to those other amendments has had to articulate what the text means and the bounds of the constitutional guarantees. And it's done so through a variety of different tests that implement First Amendment rights, Second Amendment rights, Fourth Amendment rights. So I don't think that there is anything unprecedented or anomalous about the right that the court articulated in Roe and Casey and the way that it implemented that right by defining the scope of the liberty interest uh, by reference to viability and providing that that is the moment when the balance of interest tips and when the state can act to prohibit a woman from, from getting an abortion based on its interest in protecting the fetal life at that point. So the right specifically is abortion? It's the right of a woman prior to viability to control whether to continue with a pregnancy, yes. Thank you. Do you see what he does there? And he does it so calmly and decisively. He gets her to say on the record that, yes, the right you're discussing is abortion. Why is he getting her to do that? Because there is no right to abortion. It is not in the Constitution anywhere. It does not mention, imply, refer to, wink and nod at abortion, nothing. It's nowhere. And the lawyer's like, well, there's a liberty interest. What about the liberty interest for the child? The state doesn't have an interest in protecting that life? This is nonsense, and Clarence Thomas knows it. He asked the key question I wish we would have asked decades ago more often. What are we talking about? There is no constitutional right to abortion. And folks, please don't... I saw the liberal talking heads <clears throat> on the cable news yesterday. Please do not buy into their hype. If Roe v. Wade and Casey are tossed... Abortion, abortion is not going to be illegal in the United States. I wish it were. It's not going to be illegal. It is going to be turned back over to the states. 
where I'm sure liberal states like California, Illinois, and New York will allow abortion, sadly, up until the post-birth, maybe. Who knows? I mean, they can do what they want. They can do what they want. But the case will not ban abortion. You will then have other states that may say, hey, we're not, we're going to do 15 weeks. Other states may, may say we're not doing abortion here. It will not ban abortion. They're lying. They're making that up. They are knowingly lying. Now, showing you the emptiness, the vapidness, the intellectual black hole the left lives in. Folks, they had no argument in court yesterday whatsoever. I listened to the whole thing. Their argument was stare decisis, basically saying that we should apply this law now. Uh, excuse me. We should stick to the Roe v. Wade and Casey decision, keep abortion legal, because that's the way we've always done it. Stare decisis. That, so you screwed it up. This is a terrible, terrible ruling, Roe v. Wade. So we're going to continue to do it. And their other argument is we don't know anything. Here is the most ridiculous thing I heard yesterday during this trial from Sonia Sotomayor showing you how empty the black hole of intellect these people live in. This is supposed to be one of the best lawyers in the country. Obama appointee Sonia Sotomayor showing how dopey she is saying, hey, listen, um, you know, some people who are dead, percentages of them will recoil if you poke them with something. Wait, what? Here, listen for yourself. The literature is filled with episodes of people who are completely and utterly brain dreaded responding to stimuli. Um, it, there's about 40% of dead people who, if you touch their feet, the foot will recoil. There are spontaneous acts by dead brain people. So I don't think that a response to, uh, by a fetus necessarily proves that there's a sensation of pain or that there's consciousness. Holy Moses. This is, I, I just, I don't even know what to say to that. He's sitting here like, is this happening? So her argument as to why we should abort a known living entity, it's not a clump of cells. It is a conceived human being at, a, at an early stage of development that recoils in pain when you try to terminate uh, the, his or her life in the womb, right? Your argument to continue to terminate that life is that 40% of people who are dead will show some motion if you poke them or something. Notice what she says, but 60% won't. She doesn't even, like, this, <laughs> this is so bonkers. Folks, Jeez. people used to think that dead people's nails grew too. Because what happens, I, I had heard somewhere that the, uh, the or, or the teeth as well, like the gums and the and the, uh, and the and the and the and the cuticle area starts to recede a little bit. So it appears that the nails and the teeth are are growing and things like that. These are just this this is this is ghost tales, like fairy tale stuff. Because there's some kind of muscular contraction. Does that mean that the, the what, what? I don't. I can't believe I'm even trying to argue this stupidity. <laughs> they're dead. They've been declared dead. They're dead. They're, I mean, <laughs> they're dead. What kind of nonsense is this? That's the best argument. Just to be clear, what her argument is. She's saying that because a living infant in the womb that recoils in pain when you try to terminate its life. That we should continue to do that because people who are clinically dead, 
may have some muscular response to a, to a stimuli. That's the best you can do. Yeah, yeah, we know they're in trouble. Now, I'm not in the predictions game, but Jenna Ellis again was on my show yesterday and uh, on the radio show. We had a loaded guest lineup because of the complexity of the material. And Jenna said, listen, I, I think this is going to go 5-4-6-3. My Lord, I hope so. I use your name in reverence, not in vain. I hope so. Ladies and gentlemen, literally millions of lives are at stake. That is not a figurative statement. Millions of infants are at stake in this case. I don't know if anyone on the court is listening, but you have a chance to do the right thing, the legally appropriate thing, the ethical thing, the moral thing, and you have the chance right in front of you to alter the course of history and save millions of lives that would have been snuffed out. It's important. There's a really terrific piece. Margot Cleveland was on my radio show as well as a very talented lawyer yesterday. We had three guests uh, for the first time. She has this piece that I'd like you to read. It's, it's called, It's Casey, Not Roe, on trial before the Supreme Court. And it, towards the end, she talks about that it, five justices need to find that science trumps stare decisis. Here, in a nutshell, what she was saying, I had her on the show to describe this piece. It's worth your time. It'll be in my newsletter. Is that the left is saying, hey, science hasn't changed in, in forever. And viability is, is, this, is, is basically whatever, 20 weeks or 15 weeks, whatever it may be. And the case on the other side is that that's nonsense. Scanning technology, you know, 20, 30, 50 years ago, uh, you may have saw something in a low resolution scan image, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, whatever it may have been, that looked like a, quote, clump of cells. It was never a clump of cells is the point. But with scanning technology now, it's clear as day that you, as Margot says, you cannot continue to deny the humanity of the unborn anymore. You just can't. You can't say you believe in science and when science shows you clearly, even at the earliest stages of development, the baby taking on human form, you can't say to yourself, just that clump of cells, really? With eyes and, 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 and a spinal cord and everything? Really? The clump of cells? No, it doesn't work anymore. All right. Uh, move on. I got a lot more to get to. I will stay on top of that Dobbs case. They're not expecting a ruling till June, so it'll be a while. But I've got a couple more things to get to. And on this, in this vein here, of people being policy, judges being policy. Sadly, I wish they weren't, but the courts have been politicized. They have. I wish they weren't. Donald Trump's legacy was people as well. A lot of the people he appointed are still in charge. Some of them are going to be moving out. I want to show you the most ridiculous example of people being policy coming up in a second on this video. It's so disturbing. This is not an accident. The crazy people, Joe Biden is trying to appoint to bureaucratic positions like the FCC, where they're going to control the radio and the TV airwaves. Watch this woman coming up next. This is insane. Up there with the bank regulator, who's like a communist. Remember that one? Saleh Amarova? No. Yes, we're going to bankrupt the uh, oil industry. You're the bank regulator? Yeah, sure. Okay, great choice there. Okay. Speaking of what I've told you often, in the federal government, people are policy. Judges are policy. I wish they weren't. They are. I wish they weren't. But people in these bureaucratic swamp positions are the policy. Joe Biden is intentionally appointing radical leftists, not centrist, radical leftists in positions of power will be stuck with them forever. This is Gigi Sohn. I want you to play. I want to play this video. Gigi Sohn's been nominated for the FCC. 
a powerful regulator, radio, television, can end companies overnight if they really want to. Gigi Sohn hates Fox News. She had tweeted out a while ago that Fox News was state-sponsored propaganda. And you want her to be in charge of of the FCC. (laughs) Here, check this out when she's questioned about her lunatic fringe tweets. Check this out. So I've got a list of comments here about Fox News. Are you biased against them? So you're referring to my tweets that are now pretty famous. Uh, I understand they're concerning to some, uh, and anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty direct, but they were made in my role as a public interest advocate. They were made in the context, and I think context is very important, uh, context of, of hearings, hearings and, and media reports. You know, maybe the tone was a little sharper. Uh, maybe I should have dulled it a little bit, but again, it was, it was part of my job, essentially, uh, as a public interest advocate. And do you think they're the only news agency that um, is state-sponsored propaganda? Let me That's your quote, by the way. Yeah, I I know it's my quote, yeah. Um, I I just wanted to complete my thought. My opinions as a public interest advocate will have no bearing on how I behave as a policymaker if I'm confirmed. No worries, guys. Yeah, oh yeah, really. (laughs) I mean, seriously. That is at least a monthly right there. Don't worry, fellas. It'll have no bearing whatsoever, her personal opinions on her policy, because that's never happened before, where you appoint a bunch of crazed leftist lunatics into swamp rat positions of power. You can never get rid of them, and they embed themselves like ticks. And it never influences ever the policy. This is what they tell people in front of these hearings. And then they get in there, and they laser focus with horse blinders on, on their political opponents. Joe, remember Lois Lerner and the IRS targeting? I sure I'm sure that had nothing to do with them being conservative groups. No. Remember that? I mean, this the Richard Cordray. Remember Operation Choke Point and the targeting of, of the gun industry and trying to dry up their banking so they couldn't sell a legal firearm anymore? Yep. That had nothing to do with politics at all. Folks, people are policy. Keep your eyes on these appointees, please. I'm begging you. Think appointees that should be shut down immediately. Jerome Powell at the Fed. He should not get a vote for his re-up there. He should not get a vote. This guy promised to get a lid on inflation, and it's exploded. He failed. Tom Cotton has a good op in the Wall Street Journal about that today. He failed. Two, Saleh Amarova. She's a communist. She want, you want her to run our, our free market banking system and supervise it? What are you, crazy? She's got to be shut down, too. These are all Biden appointee or nominees, excuse me. Gigi Sohn, FCC. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You're already tweeting about media companies you hate. And you want to position at the FCC to be able to influence the entire media market out there? No. No, I'm sorry. If Gigi Sohn wanted to be a politician, then she should run for office. She does not get to be a, a black and white bureaucrat where they have to make decisions based on the law. No, no, I'm sorry. You don't get that. No, you don't get any of that. All right, it's been a serious show so far. A lot of material going on. So once in a while, I like to throw in some comic relief for you. 
Roger Stone is always good for that. Roger Stone is a very funny guy. I just ran into him um, at an event not too long ago. He is. He's still got his sense of humor. So Roger Stone was on with Tucker Carlson on a Tucker Carlson special. He has that special on Fox Nation as well. And uh, he's asked about the coverage of a couple of things in his life. And he's asked about CNN. And uh, Roger Stone had this response. Check this out. Well, it's just that's at that point you're collaborating with the national security state to crush its opponents. And you're breaking the law. And you're breaking the law. That's not really journalism at that point. It's well, CNN is not a journalistic outfit. I don't get my news from CNN for the same reason I don't eat out of the toilet. <laughs> I can't with this. I'm still recovering. I feel good. I promise. Don't don't cry for me. I'm Argentina, right? Who crying for me? I feel good, dude. I don't get my news from CNN for the same reason I don't eat out of the toilet. Roger, well said, buddy. Well, said. you're absolutely right because it's uh, it would be counterproductive and gross. That's why I don't get my news from CNN either. Some of you have asked. Uh, I got a couple of emails, by the way. You know uh, why I'm not talking about the Chris Cuomo story? And in short answers, no specific reason. I just don't find the story. The CNN's crap. The network's crap. They hire crap people. I don't feel like I have anything to add to it. So, um, and plus it's been saturated on cable news. That's the only reason there's no, uh, you know, I got a few questions. Dan, you didn't mention quote Chris Cuomo and uh, his, you know, leave. They'll probably be back anyway. I mean, CNN doesn't care. They have Jeffrey Tubin and the coffee boy, Brian Stelter. They have no standards. So what's the, what's the point? Like why waste your time on it? That's why. Okay. Moving on uh, folks, the BLM uh, rot, the BLM cancer in this country continues to fester. Uh, it's it's really astonishing and speaks to the grotesquely weak, astonishingly stupid nature of many companies in corporate America today that they continue to donate and fund Black Lives Matter, that neither cares about black lives, nor do they think they matter. They don't care at all. If black Lives Matter cared about black lives, they'd be in the cities calling for crime control to save black lives. They'd be fighting for uh, businesses. Um, you know, minority businesses, they're not they're not doing they pretend to be doing that. OK, Black Lives Matter is run by a grifter. I'll show you that in a minute. But look at this article in the Daily Mail. I want you to spread this around. I'll be in my newsletter today. Uh, Bongino.com slash newsletter. Black Lives Matter is now calling for a month long boycott of, quote, white companies during the holiday season to support black Christmas and end white supremacist capitalism. Please tell me again. It just seriously digest this for a moment. He's laughing at me because it's so obvious. Please tell me in 25 words or less how Black Lives Matter is not a racist group. They want you to boycott companies during a holiday season, Christmas, our, our, one of our most important Christian holidays, because they're white. And what's a white? A good point. What is a white company? Is it 99% white, 95, 80? What is white? They have no idea. Black Lives Matter is a terror group. It's, it's a Marxist terror group that uses terrorist tactics in their riots in the streets. Black Lives Matter is a festering cancer on this country. They don't believe in black lives. We do as conservatives. We do. That is our cause. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist, racist terror group. That's all they've ever been. It is clear as day calling for a boycott of companies based on the skin color of some of the people employed at the company. That's racist. That's 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 how is that not racist? Can anyone explain that? Of course you can. Now it's run by a grifter or was Patrice colors who bought a bunch of very expensive homes. 
She was one of the founders of Black Lives Matter. Here's a video we're going to re-up to show you how this group is a bunch of racist, Marxist frauds. Here is one of the founders, Patrice Cullors, talking about how she's a trained, trained Marxist. And people still fall for this dopey, stupid grift. Check this out. We actually do have an ideological frame. Um, myself and Alicia in particular are trained organizers. Um, we uh, are trained Marxists. Um, we are uh, super uh, versed um, on sort of ideological theories. Folks, those aren't my words. Those are the words of Patrice Cullors, who claims to be a Marxist. Marxism, the government control and confiscation of the means of production, while she bought a bunch of very expensive homes. I, I thought from each according to their abilities to each according to their needs. The principles of Marxism. Is that what she needs? Does she need a bunch of expensive homes for her and her family? This woman's a fraud. The whole Black Lives Matter movement has been based on a fraud. This is a racist group calling for a boycott of companies based on the skin color of some of the people who work there. That's the very definition of racism, and suckers keep falling for it every day, including corporate America trying to kick the collective ass of the woke-topian crowd. We're donating to Black Lives Matter. They're boycotting you, you idiots. My gosh, can you be any dumber? It's frustrating, really frustrating, dealing with these dunces. Speaking of dunces, the angry long, uh, lawn gnome is back. The lawn gnome, uh, there's a more destructive public figure right now holding any office inside the government than Anthony Fauci, who continues to embarrass and humiliate himself and ruin his reputation. Uh, here he is yesterday when he's asked by Peter Ducey a very logical question. Dr. Fauci, if you're going to impose travel restrictions from African countries, some of which have no known cases of Omicron yet, um, if you are going to do that and impose these travel restrictions, are similar travel restrictions going to be levied at the southern border or quarantine efforts? They want people at the uh, border coming in now to show a test. Are we going to have to do that for people at the southern border? Watch Fauci. Here is the hallmark. Every time of a fraud and a phony. When you ask them a question, they hedge and they haw. And a principle they say is a principle only applies in situations that they find politically feasible. Then it's not a principle, right? If I say, well, low taxes are a really great thing, but they're only great for Republicans, not for Democrats, then that's not a principle. That's a political statement. Watch Fauci turn full-time activist right now and politician, completely abandoning any small semblance he may have had left of medical credibility. Check this out. Dr. Fauci, as you advise the president about the possibility of new testing requirements for people coming into this country, does that include everybody? The answer is yes, because you know that the new uh, uh, the new uh, uh, regulation, if you want to call it that, is that anybody and everybody who's coming into the country needs to get a test within 24 hours of getting on the plane to come here. But what about people who don't take a plane and just these border crossers coming in in huge numbers? You know, that's, that's a different issue. That's the very hallmark of a false god. No, that's different at the southern border. How is it different? We're talking about a virus, respiratory virus, that infects human beings. How is it different? You're suggesting if the same human beings that could be infected walk across our southern border, what? But they're different. Different how? Different how? How are they different? This reminds me of uh, 
Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Funny, funny how? Funny how? How is this different? They're human beings of the same capacity for infection as any other human being, given the obvious variables. How is it different? The answer is it's a politically great argument for you on the left to appease your radical leftists to, to, uh, 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 to, to speak out for open borders. This guy's a phony. How do you still take this guy seriously? I have no respect for this guy anymore. None. That's not a principal position. That's him being a total fraud. Okay, let me get to my last sponsor. Here's what I got coming up. Speaking of principles, this is a strange video by Joy Reid taking a stand against vaccine mandates. Huh? Like, Wait, what? Huh? Yeah, this is a shocker. Even Joe was surprised when I sent it to him. He was like, dude, what's up with this? <laughs> um, and then I got a very serious story about two of the biggest security threats I believe in the world right now on the globe. The, an EMP attack. And satellite warfare. I told you I'd talk about this yesterday on today's show. It's super important, this story. Okay, here is a bizarre take. Um, this is Joy Reid. What is she, speaking out for vaccine mandates and body sovereignty? Gee, you may have to get her off the metal stand. Joy Reid may have lost her spot in one oh. day. Fascinating. She said, I, I, Joe, I know, I know, it's a big moment. But Joy Reid all of a sudden has discovered body sovereignty, liberty, and freedom. Is this her speaking out about the vaccine mandates? Uh, I don't know. Check this out. The Supreme Court is willing to reduce you to a secondary constitutional citizen by decreeing that control over your very person, your physical body, belongs not to you, but to your state. Whoa, man, Joy, good to have you on the team against these vaccine mandates. Really, of course, folks, that's not Joy Reid talking about vaccine mandates. That's Joy Reid. She should be talking about vaccine mandates. Uh, I put her after the lawn gnome Anthony Fauci for a reason to show you how their principles don't matter. That's Joy Reid talking about the Dobbs abortion case, right? Yep. All of a sudden, Joy Reid cares about body sovereignty, which is fascinating because in a case of abortion, we're not talking about your body. We're talking about aborting a separate body and terminating the life of another him or her in the womb. Yet she seems to have found body sovereignty to be a passionate issue she believes in. And I guarantee you, if you were to ask her, well, does that apply to vaccine mandates, which you just said about, hey, it's your body. Oh, no, no, no. I'm not talking about it. just like Fauci. You notice how it's not a principle <laughs> when the principle changes, when you bring up a different political argument, then it's not a principle. When you believe in freedom and liberty, you don't say, I believe in the freedom of speech, but only for my ideas. If you really believe in freedom of speech, on a deadly serious note, if you really believe in it, you're willing to put your life on the line to defend the freedom of your enemies to speak out against you. That's the real mark of a principled human being. That's what conservatism is about. Notice how Joy's found body sovereignty all of a sudden. She's, a, she's all for vaccine mandates, but she's for body sovereignty when it comes to a political argument she believes in, which is uh, pro-abortion. Showing you it's not a principle at all. She's just making it all up. That's why I'm proud to be a conservative, folks. And I always will be a conservative. Our principles are unbendable. And they don't depend on licking our finger and going to the political winds of the day. And just a quick note before I get to my next story. I've got a loaded show for you this weekend on Fox. Thank you for making us number one in the demo this week. It's super, uh, super excited about it. I really appreciate it. Unfiltered. Saturday night. 10 p.m. Eastern time, set your DVR. I've got another 
rebuttal that's going to be fire. These Democrat debates blew up. You got to see the spike and we get the ratings by the minute. It was like, boom, people really enjoy the rebuttal. It'll be a nice spicy war this weekend. Again, on my show, unfiltered Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Don't miss it. All right, let me get to my last story. You know, I have a background in national security before it's, uh, you know, I really enjoyed my time in the Secret Service and and locally with the NYPD. I shouldn't say national security. It's not, I wasn't a foreign policy analyst. I don't like to exaggerate. I'm not Joe Biden. But uh, you get the point. Security is probably a better way to define it. But we were intimately familiar because it was our job to be familiar with large-scale threats and small-scale threats. What do I mean by that? Well, when you're a Secret Service agent doing it in advance, you're worried about a guy with a 38 special, you know, like John Hinckley outside the Hinckley Hilton who shoots President Reagan. You're worried about a firearm at your site that could cause harm or a knife or whatever. I mean, a stick. You're also worried about dirty bombs. You know, when you go overseas and you're in the United States, you don't want a dirty bomb going on with the pre- going off, obviously, because it would kill people, but also because it would kill the president. So our, our, we, we scale our response based on the scale of the threat, and we have to be advised about all these things. So you take in a good body of knowledge about security threats. My humble opinion, the two biggest security threats to the United States right now, and I mean existential, meaning they could result in the end of civilization as we know it. I'm not kidding. I'm not being you know hyperbolic or exaggerating here. Are EMP attacks an electromagnetic pulse attack, which would be a nuclear detonation in our atmosphere, which would cause an electromagnetic pulse, which would wipe out our electric grid. Yep. I consider that number one. Second, satellite warfare. Satellite warfare, Dan. Yes. The Chinese and Russian government, ladies and gentlemen, right now are laser focused on disabling our 900 uh, satellites we have in orbit right now. We have the most. About 2,000 in orbit. We have 900 of them. Our entire economy, ladies and gentlemen, is anchored in satellite technology. You wipe out our satellites, even a few critical ones, we are blind. We will be dead here. In a rare moment of uh, journalism, the Washington Post uh, has a piece up called Opinion. A shadow war in space is heating up fast. Josh Rogan, it's a good piece. I'll put it in the newsletter today. It's worth reading talks about the Russian and the Chinese working overtime on satellites that can attack other satellites. He says, for some time now, there have been reports that China is developing a satellite, get a load of this, folks, that could claw another satellite. This is like out of uh, Star Wars. Or grab a satellite with a robotic arm or grappling hook. The Chinese government has several reasons to want to disable U.S. satellites, which have been useful in revealing concentration camps built to intern Uyghur Muslims at a new Chinese nuclear missile silo field. It's not just that. or Large portions of our military are dependent on satellite technology too. China and Russia. There was another uh, piece. If you read the piece, you'll see in there as well. There's another portion of it where Russia is developing a satellite that can launch a projectile And use the projectile to take out our satellites, too. So not only can they grab them with grappling hooks and disable them, but they can destroy them. Now, folks, our economy is bedrocked in satellite technology. We are almost completely dependent on it. So, you know what, because I don't talk out of my caboose here, this article will be in my newsletter as well. Bongino.com slash newsletter. Read it. It's by Marissa Martin. It's from March of 2020. It's from International Policy Digest. It's a good one. Very short, very sweet. But it sums up. U.S. economy and our military and our reliance on satellites. Here's just a brief portion. The piece is called Here Today, Gone Tomorrow, U.S. Satellite Dependency. 
Marissa says, our reliance on satellites is greater than we realize. Our infrastructure, economy, weather, navigation, and healthcare systems all communicate via satellite. A satellite shutdown would produce widespread effects. The internet wouldn't work. ATMs wouldn't work. Cell phones wouldn't work. Airplanes would have difficulty communicating with air traffic control and navigating safely. Sounds like a problem. Ships would be lost. There'd be no TV, no email, no GPS, and access to life-saving healthcare would be lost. Ah, it sounds like kind of a big deal and not in the Ron Burgundy way. You think the Russians and the Chinese don't know this? Folks, nothing would work. You think the Russians and the Chinese aren't figuring out right now that if they can do an atmospheric nuclear detonation with an EMP to wipe out our grid and get a hold of some of our satellites and knock them out, we would be back in the dark ages. We would have nothing. This is serious stuff. Now, there are, thankfully, some serious people left in the government who understand this, but sadly, very few. There's a friend of mine, Frank, in a group I was involved in. He was a defense official in the Reagan administration. He has been warning about EMPs forever, and no one will listen. You know why? The electric companies don't want to update the structure and the transformers to make sure they'd be immune to this stuff. They don't want to spend the money. And the government doesn't take this crap seriously. You know what the problem with the satellites are? A lot of these companies have already launched them. They're not hack-proof. They don't want to go get them and retrofit them. You know how much money that would be? So now we got to what? Wait for them to relaunch new ones over the coming decades? You think China doesn't know this? Folks, this is serious stuff. I can't reiterate to you enough. The greatest threat, I'm talking existential. I mean no food supply, no comms, no TV, no GPS, no ATMs, no money, the financial system. The greatest threat to us right now, EMP and satellite warfare. I hope that this show marked the date Thursday, December 2nd, turns out to be some kind of hysterical relic in history. I hope I hope and pray everybody looks back and goes, ah, remember that idiot in December of 2021 suggesting this stuff would happen and it never did? Believe me, I hope and pray that that in fact happens. This is a real threat. Be cooking in your backyard some rabbit you caught on charcoal you had left before the stores closed down. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Again, I just want to uh, thank you all for your ongoing support in my battle to continue to fight for the free and open internet, to return the internet back to the greatness it once had, get away from this scourge of censorship, proud to be part of Rumble, as I said to you before, combining with CFVI, we went public today. That's V as in Victor, by the way. CFVI, we really appreciate uh, your fight in this battle going forward for freedom and liberty. And um, thank you. I, it's been a long journey to this day. Very proud. So thank you very much. I will see you all on the radio show later. I think we got Miranda Devine. And uh, see you on uh, the podcast tomorrow. You just heard Dan Bongino.